Hello, my name is Gabriel Padbal, and you are listening to the World Tour podcast of Cybersecurity Experts. The first series is dedicated to women in cybersecurity. In this series, I talk to women in cybersecurity who have a great impact on this community and make this industry more inclusive. Today, I am talking with Alisa Miller. Alisa Miller is a hacker, security evangelist, cybersecurity professional, and public speaker with almost 15 years of experience in the security industry. Her experience includes penetration testing, threat modeling, and working with business leaders to build enterprise security programs. She speaks internationally at industry, vendor, and leadership conferences on topics ranging from technical security vulnerabilities to high-level security program strategies to issues within the security community itself. She is a member of the Board of Directors for Women of Security, WOSEC, an advisory board member for Bluetincom in Chicago, and she currently works as an application security advocate for London-based open-source security firm, Sneak. You know, I would love to get to that day where the fact that I'm a woman in security or I'm LGBT in security or whatever just doesn't even factor into the equation. It's just, I'm a human being in security. If you want to follow Alisa, you can find her on Twitter, Alisa N underscore Infosec, on LinkedIn, Alisa N dash Infosec, or go to her website, alisasec.com. To support this podcast and continue to hear about cybersecurity experts, follow me on social media or subscribe to this blog, gabrielb.fr slash blog, or subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can also comment it and share it. World Tour Podcast of Cybersecurity Expert, Series 1, Episode 6. So, thank you for being here. Oh, um, thank you. Can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. Uh, so, my name is Alyssa Miller, and um, you know, I introduce myself a lot of ways as a hacker and security researcher, um, sometimes as a security evangelist or an advocate. Um, you know, I, I like to get out, interact with the community, and and share my ideas about security, hear other people's ideas. Um, and then, of course, I'm, I'm a security professional, too. I've been working in security as a career for about 15 years or so. And so I've uh, definitely been through a lot of different paces there as well. Can you tell us what attracted you to cybersecurity in the first place? Yeah, so it, it's kind of funny. I actually got into it by accident. Um, you know, as a kid, when I was very young, um, you know, when I was 12 years old, I bought my first computer and taught myself how to program in basic and, um, you know, how to install operating systems and other things. And got, later I got a modem and I, I you know, self-taught all about uh, asynchronous communications and stuff. But I never really thought of computers being a career. Um, in fact, when I started at the university, it was in a pre-med major. So I was, I was going to be a doctor was my plan. But then I did uh, three classes of chemistry and realized it was not what I wanted it to be doing. So um, I looked around and they had a computer science degree. And I figured, okay, I already know computers. I already program computers. 
um, why don't I just go into that? It should be an easy program. So sure enough, I got into that. And while I was still going to school, I got my first job as a programmer for this large financial technologies company. But it was while I was there, I, you know, I spent nine years as a programmer before somebody from the information security team, who I, I had worked with her on a number of different projects, and she came to me and asked me if I was interested in joining what they called their security test team. And, okay, I kind of thought about that. But I, I don't know anything about this, this pen testing thing. I have never done that. And her response to me was really simply, oh, you'll figure it out. I, I, I know you can do this. Like, okay. So I got into it. And, um, you know, lo and behold, there was a lot of stuff I had already kind of been doing anyway on my own. And, uh, you know, did a lot, got really into the AppSec side of it, being a former developer. Um, you know, hacking web applications was, came pretty easy to me. Um, but also did some on the network side too. And uh, you know, we were responsible for all of it. So we had a huge environment of like 900 applications that we had to test. So, so that was kind of my intro into security and it's just taken off ever since. But like I said, it was just more by accident than anything else. It just sort of happened. Can you explain what your job is and like give us a typical day or? Yeah, sure. So right now I work for a reseller and I work in our consulting group and uh, I manage what we call information security solutions practice. And what that really means is um, I'm responsible on a pre-sales side. So I have people that go out and support our, our salespeople whenever our salespeople are out having a conversation around security and in particular security assessments and things like that. So our pen tests, um, other work that we do around incident response and, and advisory services. And so I, I manage that team. I also manage a team that is responsible for doing what we, is basically a lightweight threat hunting assessment that we do for our customers where, um, and, and they're the ones actually conducting this uh, you know, it, it's, I wouldn't call it full-blown threat hunting because it's, it's very automated. It's based on a lot of tools, but it, it's kind of like a simple first entry into doing some security assessment. And so, you know, my typical day, um, a lot of what I'm doing is having conversations at a very strategic level. So I'm talking to security leaders or business leaders uh, about how they build a for lack of a better term, a cybersecurity program within their organizations. What does that look like? How do they prioritize, you know, should I spend a couple million dollars on new firewalls or should I be spending that couple million dollars on new endpoint security or should I be getting a pen test or what should I be doing and how do I, you know, put together a whole strategy for how I'm going to spend my, the, the budget that I have. And, so, you know, and indeed my team even does a lot of that same type of work. And so um, my typical day is usually something like that. I do a lot of traveling to customers, to uh, different events. Um, you know, I speak at various conferences. Some of them are sponsored by my company where, you know, you sponsor a conference and they give you a speaking slot. Others are cases where I've just, I've submitted my own talk 
to a CFP and gotten accepted and speak at conferences. So I do a lot of traveling. Um, a lot of my days are spent in airports and airplanes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of just trying to evangelize security. And, and then, I mean, of course, it's a pre-sales role. So there's a lot of the sales management stuff behind it, tracking sales numbers and things like that that you would expect with that kind of role too. So as you said, you're doing various talks and uh, I know that you did uh, some talks about imposter syndrome. Uh, yeah. do, do you have tips you could share with us now? Sure. So yeah, imposter syndrome's kind of become like my little crusade. Like I want to, anything and everything I can do to help people fight against it, um, I, I'm out there to do it uh, because I deal with it all the time. And you know, when I look at imposter syndrome, it's, there's a couple of things that kind of drive imposter syndrome, right? It's uh, a lot of us tend to just be very humble about things that we've accomplished and we don't like to brag. And so what that causes is we kind of, we diminish the value of the things that we've done. You'll hear people say, oh, well, and I kind of did it, right? Oh, I got lucky or that, that happened by accident or, you know, um, things like that. Imposter syndrome also comes up when we're in spaces where we feel like we don't belong. So if I'm somebody who's worked in a very corporate space doing pen testing and I'm at a place like DEF CON with a bunch of hardcore hackers who are touting all their zero-day vulnerabilities and I'm sitting there like, I've never, ever in my life found a zero-day vulnerability unless you count the, you know, the pen test where I've been testing a web app and I found something. I guess that's technically a zero-day vulnerability, but you know, I, I'm not one that's ever out and given a talk on something like that. And so that's the time when you might feel that. And, you know, what I, what I encourage people to do first and foremost is just sit down and list out your accomplishments. So Jane Franklin in the UK did a really awesome thing just a couple of weeks ago. She put a challenge out on LinkedIn and challenged everybody to talk about what they had accomplished in 2019. Now, her intention, I don't think, was really about imposter syndrome. She was just more trying to highlight all the good stuff we do in security. But I realized, what a great way to combat imposter syndrome. If you have to sit there and actually think critically and list out the things you've accomplished over the year and look at them, suddenly you realize, like, wow, I actually did do a lot. And these are actually pretty impressive things I accomplished. This is actually really neat. And it's a great way to kind of put that stuff in perspective. Um, another tool that I always tell people is just understand anybody and everybody you talk to deals with imposter syndrome. Everybody. If we look at, you know, I, I can think of some very popular faces within the InfoSec community who I've had direct conversations with about their experience of imposter syndrome. And these are, I mean, these are people who are doing, you know, keynotes, keynote talks at massive conferences. And, you know, they're the ones that they rarely have to submit to a CFP because people are seeking them out to speak. And yet they're telling me how they have imposter syndrome. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, um, you know, everybody deals with this. So just kind of remember that, you know, as you feel like, you got lucky or, you know, somebody helped you accomplish that and you're going to use that as an excuse for why something you did isn't as impressive. Every one of those people got there with help from somebody. They reached out, they talked to somebody, they had mentors, whatever. 
everybody has had to do that. So that's not a reason that doesn't diminish anything that you've accomplished. And then the last thing I'll say is really, I encourage people to find others like yourself, people who, you know, can help you feel more at home, like you do belong. Um, you know, and, and that could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. You know, for women, a lot of times it's just finding other women in security to work with. Um, you know, for people of other underrepresented groups like that, it might be, you know, just finding people of color or people who uh, suffer from, you know, similar issues or whatever it is, you know, just things that, you know, ways that you can find that commonality with somebody else and, and find that mentor. And now you understand, you can see somebody who shares that, that bit with you in common and they're doing it too. So awesome. Now that's somebody I can identify with and I can see that I actually do belong here. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's critically important for anybody when we start talking about imposter syndrome is just, you know, cause the other thing that mentor is going to do for you, honestly, when you do accomplish something pretty cool, they're going to make sure you know it and they're not going to let you sit there and diminish it and, and, you know, talk about it like it's not as valuable as it actually was. Uh, so you were saying just a little bit about this, uh, that if you're a woman in cyber, maybe it's good to find other women. And mm -hmm. so I know that you launched a WOSEC chapter. Uh, yeah. Could you tell us a little more about this? Yeah, so um, I don't even remember how I originally heard of WOSEC. Um, I think I probably searched on Twitter or something. I found it. And so I knew about it. I was following Wolsek and whatever. And sometimes shortly thereafter, Chloe Mazagi actually reached out to me. And she's, you know, hey, we're, you know, I, I saw that you're following our page. And we got to talking and whatnot. And, and about things like, you know, the, the issues of the, the diversity gap in security, and in particular as it centers around gender. And And she ended up by the end of the call, she asked me if I wanted to start a chapter. And I'm like, well, yeah, anything that I can do to kind of help give back to the community, definitely to help women start to find other women in our space and identify with them and feel more comfortable. I mean, I, like everybody, I've been exposed to some of the toxic behaviors that get directed in particular towards women in this industry. And so understanding that I wanted to do whatever I could to help. So, um, you know, there, there was no chapter at the time in Wisconsin where I live at all. And so we launched the Milwaukee chapter. And in fact, we actually had our first official meetup this morning. We, uh, we did a Wolsec brunch. So the timing on this couldn't have been any better. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. For you, uh, how would be like the, ideal workplace for women in cybersecurity? Honestly, the ideal workplace would be a workplace where we didn't have to say, I'm a woman in cybersecurity. You know, it, I mean, that's the thing. That's, I think, all we ever, any of us want is you want to feel to be in that space and have it, you'll be able to interact with all sorts of different people of all diverse backgrounds and so forth. And that we just know that doesn't happen today. And You want to be in an environment where your expertise isn't being questioned just because people look at you and see a woman and they're like, well, you know, they have this weird bias in their mind 
of, you know, women don't know security or don't know tech or all the other craziness that we've seen study after study proves happens, you know, and it's, it's not like we make this stuff up. It's not like we're looking for special treatment. It's just, God, it would be nice to one day have a, a community and security where anybody and everybody, woman, man, person of color, non-binary, uh, you name any of these different groups that we, we can look at, where we all just feel comfortable. We don't feel like those things that are parts of our identity that we can't control are going to somehow define how we get treated, define how we're looked at, define how we get considered for things like promotions and higher level jobs. But we're not there yet, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're working toward. And that's my hope. You know, I would love to get to that day where the fact that I'm a woman in security or I'm LGBT in security or whatever just doesn't even factor into the equation. It's just, I'm a human being in security. On another subject, uh, this is one of the questions I ask to everyone. Uh, if you had like a magic wand, uh, what would be the ideal cyberspace in terms of security? If you could change it and make it completely different, how would it be? Wow, that's, so that's a tough question, right? <laughs> um, I think honestly, the biggest thing I, the thing that I think would help our community more than anything else, and not just from a diversity perspective, from an effectiveness perspective, would honestly be empathy. Empathy and emotional intelligence. If I could create better empathy and emotional intelligence in our community, I think we would do a lot better. You know, I, I look at people in our community, a lot of jokes about stupid users or you know we complain that executives just don't get it they won't listen to us and i look at that and i'm like but isn't it our job as security experts to teach those users isn't it our job as security experts to help those executives understand and, in, and you know what i see a lot of and i i get to i get exposed to a lot of uh like cso's uh, cisos um, or other just high-level managers in security. And unfortunately, what I see is a lot of them still lack that ability to understand, all right, I'm going to go talk to the CEO, or I'm going to go talk to the board of directors, or I'm going to go to the executive committee to talk about security. They get focused on these very technical aspects, and they, they tend to forget that those people they're talking to have a lot more to worry about than just cybersecurity. They're worried about stock prices. They're worried about revenue and they're worried about gross profit, net sales. They're, they're worried about expenses and, and you know, how do they you know, manage marketing messages and everything. And there's so much that they have to worry about every day. Security is just this little piece of that. So you have to learn how to converse with them in a way that resonates with the things that they're worried about. And indeed, I mean, I, I've actually given a talk on this in a couple spaces of just, hey, let's just sit down and talk about how do you talk to the board of directors? How do you talk to the executives when you're trying to you know, motivate them to you know, give you budget or to support a big initiative or whatever? And the fact of the matter is it's not about 
FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's, that's not what gets results. It's being able to understand. They want to know, how does this thing you're telling me I need to do in security help enable some other part of my business? How's it going to enable me to grow profits? How's it going to enable me to build a new stream of revenue, expand into some new innovative line of business that doesn't exist today? Tell me how your security initiative does that. And if you can do that with an executive, now they're on board. Now it makes sense. Now it's something that resonates with their motivations. And that's what's going to get them to support the things that you want to do. Otherwise, they're just like, well, this is too difficult. We'll buy cyber insurance and that'll take care of you know, our monetary risk. And we'll just go with that. And that's what happens. So that's, I guess, if there was anything I had a magic wand to do, it would be to create that. That, that kind of empathy, um, that kind of emotional intelligence, and not just off the chain, down when we're talking to developers, when we're talking to users, when we're talking to each other. And by the way, talking about awareness, uh, do you think that people uh, might have changed about this? Do you think that, did, did you notice a difference in your experience, like with people getting more aware of cybersecurity and getting more the importance like you said for board of directors do they mm -hmm. do they understand it or is it still a little complicated or is it you know did you i mean yeah it's still complicated but i think they're aware of it and they're becoming more aware and that's crucial i i in one of my talks i reference a uh, a survey that was done at the beginning of this year there's a organization in the u.s called the conference board and they did a survey i, I think it was actually they did the survey at the end of last year and they released it early this year and they talked to uh, CEOs around the globe about what's your biggest concern for, uh, for 2019. And, you know, some of the things that came up were things like uh, global recession, um, war, potential for war, uh, new entrance into the market space, the growth of AI, all these things. And out of all of that, Number three, globally, cybersecurity was the thing that CEOs were worried about. And when we broke it down into, in the U.S. specifically, it was number one. It was the thing they were worried about. And so I think we've seen a lot of that. And we see it on the other end, too, with users. Um, you know, I think about where we were uh, when I started in security 15 years ago. And the simple lack of awareness, if you went out on the street, and ask somebody, you know, about strong passwords, they look at you like you're crazy. They didn't even understand what that term meant, let alone how to create a strong password. Now people kind of get it. You know, do they use it? No. Still, you know, they don't get necessarily all the risk behind it, but they understand it. They hear it. So they're at least aware. You talk to developers. Developers back then, when I was getting started in this, I mean, we were educating them on the very basics of the OWASP top 10 because they didn't understand it. Like, I mean, I actually had a manager in one of our areas at the company I was working for who made the argument that we had magic computers. I swear to God, that's a direct quote, magic computers that allowed us to do the things we did and that people out in the world couldn't actually do the things that we were doing and that these weren't actually vulnerabilities that were a risk. And, you know, now... Developers not only get it, a lot of them have been educated and they're very smart, 
about how to implement countermeasures, how to avoid common pitfalls, things like that. And a lot of them will think at the early stages of their development about, I'm building this piece of functionality. I need to think about security around this. And they do that. Now, are they perfect? No. We still have lots of work to do to educate them. We have to kind of enable them. And, and that's on us as security experts, honestly. Um, you know, most developers, almost every developer I've ever met has a lot of pride in the code they write. And they don't want to know that somebody's able to hack their code. So if you give them the knowledge that they need to write that code so it's not likely to get hacked, they will do a better job because they want to. They want to be better. So um, I think we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. Um, I mean, there's never, I don't think, going to be an end state to this. It's not like we're going to get to that day where we say, hey, the world is secure. We can forget about cybersecurity now. That, that, I would love for that to happen. Maybe that's what my magic wand could do. I don't know. That, I think that's asking even too much of a magic wand, honestly. Um, but no, it, it, so it's just constantly improving. We have to constantly get better. And we know that there's plenty of room to grow and, and to get better. Um, but I think, again, compared to where things were 15 years ago when I started in this, we have come a long, long way from that. Finally, mm -hmm. uh, could you give us your own definition of cybersecurity? Like, it doesn't have to be by the book mm. and tell me anything that what cybersecurity is for you. So it's funny because... I've been, I'm going to answer this a little differently than maybe just here's my definition. Um, I'll tell you what I think cybersecurity isn't. Cybersecurity is not an industry. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And it, it, it kind of bothers me that we talk about the security industry or the cybersecurity industry. It's not an industry. It's, it's the world. I mean, it's what we live in. It, it's just... It's being aware and protective of yourself, being aware and defensive of the things you care about. You know, we do that already in terms of protecting our homes, protecting our children, protecting our own lives, protecting our property of any form. We do that. That's all cybersecurity is. The problem is where we have experts in those other fields, we've had to create experts in, in cybersecurity too. So I, I have police who might be, you know, and other people who specialize in how to secure your home or how to secure your kids or things like that. We do the same thing in cybersecurity as an industry. But the fact of the matter is, it's not, it should never just be an industry. It should never be these separate people over here. They're responsible for security. We don't have to worry about because they do it. That's like saying, I'm going to leave all my doors open on my home and leave all the car, car doors unlocked and, every, and all my valuables out because it's not my, my responsibility to make them safe. I just, we have the police. It's up to the police to take care of that. They, they'll, they'll make it all secure. Everybody needs to be a part of cybersecurity. It, it's, it's just the simple job of, you know, if you look at an organization, it shouldn't be our security team. It should be our developers, our business analysts, our salespeople, our executives, and anybody and everybody, our, our human resources people, we're all responsible for it. And so I guess that's, you know, kind of backward to what you asked, rather than telling you what it is, I'm telling you what it isn't, um, you know, but that's just it. It should not be an industry. It's not an industry. 
it's a set of practices that everybody should be aware of and doing just to protect the things that they care about the most. Thank you. Thank you yeah. very much for doing this with me.